Somebody asked me, I can't remember if it was Wednesday night or Thursday night. I don't know if it was at prayer meeting or at Senior Saints on Thursday night. They asked me this question, and I've been thinking about it uh, all, since, since that time. Uh, they said, Pastor, can you imagine what it must be like for a Syrian father who has to leave his home, has to leave his country, and take his family, and they have to leave everything that they have, uh, everything that they've worked for, everything that they've accumulated. The only thing they can take is the stuff they, they can carry on their back. And with, uh, with great danger, they leave their country, not really knowing where they're going to end up, not really knowing what kind of future they're going to have, not really knowing how they'll be able to provide for their family. Can you just imagine what that must be like? And I quickly brushed off the question by saying, no, really, I can't. Uh, but that question kept burning in my mind, and I, I was thinking about that uh, Friday and most of the day yesterday. I thought about it last night. Uh, I just can't imagine what it would be like uh, to be somebody in that kind of situation where war, civil war in your country drives you away from home and, and you have to leave everything that you have. Now, you'll see why, how that has impacted my message this morning uh, when I get to the end. I want to preach a message this morning entitled, Who Will Be Thankful? Who Will, who will Be Thankful? We read a story a moment ago from Luke chapter 17. It's a very familiar story. I preached on it several times, uh, not only at Thanksgiving uh, time of year, but other times of year, about uh, 10 men who were lepers. They had a terrible disease. It was a disease that ate away at, at your body until eventually you just died. As a result of having leprosy, you were separated from your family. You could not live in, in normal society. You had to move outside of town. You had to live with the other, other lepers. You lived as an outcast. And there, there was no cure. It was an incurable disease. There was no medicine that would help. There was no operation that would, would help. Once you became a leper, unless you, there was a miracle worked in your life, and we read about several of them in the Bible where Jesus encountered leprosy and worked a miracle and healed them. But unless something like that happened in your life, uh, your, your body just continued to rot, rot away, and you eventually died. That was the only relief, that was the only cure for leprosy, is that you died. So here were ten men uh, that had leprosy. They encountered Jesus. They called out to Jesus, and they prayed, and they said, Lord, have mercy on us. And the Lord did have mercy on them. He healed them, and we'll talk about how that happened in just a minute. But he worked a miracle. Their, their bodies that were rotting away were made whole. The fact that they were outcasts were no longer true, because when their bodies were made whole, they were able to move back in with their families and take their place in society. And yet, nine out of the ten... And I referred to this story in my words in the bulletin, if you've had a chance to read them. Ninety percent of that group of ten men that were healed from this incurable disease, that was healed from this disease that made their bodies rot away, that was healed from this disease that separated them from their families and society, ninety percent of those men did not come back and thank Jesus for what he did. They did not come back and offer their praise to the Son of God. Now, many, I'm sure many sermons have been preached to malign these men for their lack of thankfulness. I want to point out to you this morning that they were not really bad guys. I mean, they were not thankful guys, but other than that, they were not bad guys. Uh, first of all, they, they recognized the Son of God and had awe for him. 
We read in verse 12, And he entered into a certain village. There met him ten men that were lepers, which stood afar off. Now again, by law, as a leper, you were, you were required to stand afar off. When you came in contact with other people, you had to separate yourself. You had to hold a, a cloth over your upper lip. You had to cry out, unclean, unclean, so that your leprosy could not be passed to another people. But I think there was another reason that the, these ten men stood afar off from Jesus. I think it was their awe for Christ. Their awe for the Savior, they realized that they were not worthy to be in his presence. They were sinners. He was the perfect son of God. They were not worthy to be close in his company. I want to tell you this morning, we need to have that same awe for our God. The Bible says that we need to have a fear for our God. And again, not fear of being afraid, but to, to know that our God is an awesome God. He did, and even he's an awesome God, but he still deserves our thanks. And so these nine men, even though they weren't thankful, they held God in awe. Number two, they recognized and confessed Christ's position. The Bible says in verse 13, and they lifted up their voice and said, Jesus, Master. Jesus, Master. Jesus is our Master. He is our Lord. We should assume the position of servant and slave when it comes to Christ. He's our Creator. He made us, but He's also our Redeemer. We have been purchased with his blood. And it is a good and wonderful thing to confess Jesus Christ as our Lord and Master. Now, he still deserves our thanks. We ought to hold him in awe. These nine men did. We ought to recognize that he is our Master. These nine men did, but they weren't thankful. Number three, they were obedient to Jesus' command. Verse 14, and when he saw them, he said unto them, Go show yourselves unto the priest. And it came to pass that as they went, Jesus told them, Go show yourself to the priest. Now back then, under the law, when a leper was cured or healed of his leprosy, the thing that he needed to do was go to the priest and certify that he was cleansed. The priest actually examined that person and, 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 and issued a, a, a decree, so to speak, that you are now healed from your leprosy. You can move back home. You can move back into society. So Jesus said to the lepers, go show yourself to the priest. Now, I'm sure all ten of them didn't understand why. I mean, they looked at their body. There were still open sores that were running with blood and pus. They could still look at their hands and see fingers missing. They could still see parts of their body that was wrapped up in bandages where the leprosy had eaten away at their body. And when Jesus said, go show yourself to the priest, I'm sure they asked, why should we go? We're not healed. We, still, we, we are still lepers. The only reason that a leper would go to a priest is, to, is because he's healed. Why should we go? But I find no record of that kind of conversation. I find no record of the lepers asking, well, why should we go to the priest? The Bible says Jesus, when Jesus said, go see the priest, that they immediately headed toward the priest. I'll tell you this morning, that's the kind of obedience we need to have with our Savior and our God today. Everything that God tells us to do, we may not understand why. 
We may not understand his reasoning for the direction and the, and the orders that he gives us, but we need to be like these ten men. When Jesus says go, we need to just say, yes, sir, and head in the direction that he tells us to go. Amen. I think it's all right to ask God why, but I think you ought to do it on your way to being, obeying what he said to do. And these ten men, again, didn't understand why, but they said, okay, we'll go. And so they were obedient. Now you might think, oh boy, three points, we're done. It's not even 10 till 12 yet. I have lots, this is Thanksgiving time. I always want to give you more than you expect. I have nine points this morning. So they held Christ in awe. They recognized that he was their master. And they were obedient. All of those are good things. But they lacked one thing. They lacked thankfulness. But there was 10%. There was one person who, along with the other nine, held Jesus Jesus Christ in awe. Who, with the other nine, recognized him as master. Who, with the other nine, was obedient and did what Jesus said to do. But this 10th man was also thankful. I want you to notice three things about him. Number one, his thanks began when he saw that he was healed. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, he along with the other nine were headed toward the the priest. He along with the other nine still had sores in his body, still was missing fingers, still had bandages wrapped around his body, And as he went to the priest, this one of the ten looked at his body and saw that something had happened. We didn't read the rest of the verse. The Bible says when they headed toward the priest, when they were obedient to God, God worked a miracle and they were healed. All all ten of them were healed. But here was one of the ten that said, hey, I see what's happening to my body. I mean, this sore that, that, that was open before is now completely healed. There's skin back over it. Perhaps he looked down at his hand, and where he, before he was missing a finger or two. That's what leprosy did. It rotted away, and your digits would fall off. Your toes would fall off. Your fingers would fall off. He looked down at his hands. He said, hey, a minute ago, I was missing a couple fingers. Now they're all five there. Or all ten there. Uh, <laughs> looking at both hands. They're all there. He looked down at his feet, and the pain was gone. And when he saw what God had done, when he saw what Jesus had done, he became thankful. That's when his thanks started. Many people today are not thankful because we never take the time to see what God has done and what God is doing and what God will do. Look, most of us here were sinners headed for hell. We were headed for the bottomless pit where there was just complete darkness. A place that burns with fire that never goes out. Where the worm dieth not. And we had no escape. We were like a leper that had no hope for tomorrow. But God loved us. He sent Jesus to die in our place. And in the place of the bottomless pit, he offers us a street of gold. In the place of pitch black, he offers us a place where there is no night. In the place of the lake of fire, he offers us a mansion. And in a place where the worm dieth not, he offers us a place of no tears, 
No pain, no sorrow, no separation. Look, every good and perfect gift that we have in our life comes down from the Father above, in whom there is no variable in us. And so I say to the 90% this morning, I hope you're not in, but if by chance you're in the 90%, I say to you, wake up, wake up, wake up. Notice what God has done. We sang it a couple times this morning. Count your blessings. Name them one by one. And you'll be surprised to see what God has done. So his thanksgiving began when he noticed what God had done in his body. Verse 15. And when he saw that he was healed, he turned back and with a loud voice glorified God. I think what happened next, he couldn't control I think what happened next was a natural reaction when a, when, when a sinful man comes into the presence of a sinless God and that sinless God works a miracle in his life. I think it's a natural reaction. He, he, he looked down at the sore in his arm and that sore was healed. And he couldn't help it. He had to just praise God. Praise God! He looked down and saw the fingers that were missing were restored. And he couldn't help it. He said, glory to God. He, he felt the pain gone from his feet and gone from his legs. And he couldn't help it. He had to say hallelujah to God. He couldn't help it. He was so overwhelmed by what God had done. He had to praise the Lord. We sing that song, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Let the earth hear his voice. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Let the people rejoice. Oh, come to the Father through Jesus the Son and give him the glory. Great things he hath done. Listen, I've said this before. We're too reserved in our praise to God. We'll go to a football game, and I know there were Michigan State fans yesterday. They were cheering in the last seconds of that game when the field goal kicker kicked a field goal, and they won the game as the clock expired. And there were Michigan State fans, probably some of them here in the congregation this morning. You were cheering. I mean, you were sitting in front, standing in front of your TV. You were jumping up and down, and you were cheering your team. I've been with people at hockey games. And you would think that we won the Revolutionary War. They were cheering so much for a hockey team. I've been to baseball games where people have just gone wild. And all you have to do to see what I'm talking about is turn on the TV this afternoon. Don't keep it on too long. And watch these nuts at the football games that go wild when their team wins. Well, what's the matter with showing that kind of excitement and that kind of emotion when it comes to praising our God? What's the matter with... Look, he cried with a loud voice. He didn't care who heard him. He didn't care if the guy, the the next door neighbor or, or, or the person down the street, he didn't care if they heard him or not. He wanted to make his praise known to his God because his God had done something great for him. And with a loud voice... He praised his Lord. Look, we were sinners headed for hell. But God loves us. We ought to praise him for that. We were sinners that Jesus were sent to die in our place. We ought to glory God for that. We were headed for heaven. Now we're headed for heaven. Hallelujah. I don't know about you, but I can get excited when I let myself think about what God has done for me. So he saw it. He praised God with a loud voice. Number three, he fell down on his face. 
at the feet of Jesus, giving him thanks. Thank you, Jesus, for healing me. Thank you, Master, that my body is whole. Thank you, Lord, that I get to go home. I get to go back to my family. I get to live with my family. Thank you, God. Thank you, thank you, thank you for everything that you've done for me. So I asked the question, who will be thankful? Who will be thankful? Will it be the nine Jews who had been taught all their life how good their God was to them as a people? Nine Jews who were God's chosen people, who he had called when he called Abraham, who he had brought out of Egypt, who, had, who he had dealt with down throughout history. The nine other people that weren't thankful, they weren't Samaritans. They were God's people. They were Jesus' people. They were Hebrew people. Those nine had gone probably to the synagogue every week, and they'd read from God's word. They'd heard the promises of God. They'd seen the oracles of God. They were reminded every week that they were God's chosen people, that they had a living God, a God that intervened in their life and answered prayer and helped them. Who will be thankful, the nine Jews or the one Samaritan? A half-breed, a dog, according to the Jews. Not fit to enter the synagogue. Not fit to give thanks to God. What a shame. The nine who all their life had heard about the goodness of God. The nine who all their life had enjoyed the goodness of God. The nine who had just experienced a miracle of God. Didn't go back and give thanks. But the one, the one who we might think would be the least one, the most unexpected one to come back and give Jesus thanks, was the one that did. So I end with my last three points. Number one, who will be thankful? The American Christian husband and father that's free to come to church this morning, that works or has worked, owns a home, owns a car, food in the cupboard, who will gather this Thursday on Thanksgiving Day and enjoy a feast and sweet fellowship with their family? Or will it be a Christian Syrian who worships God in secret this morning for fear of death, who has no job, who has no home, who owns no car, who, who, who doesn't know where his next meal is coming from, who doesn't know where his family is going to live tomorrow, who on Thursday it will just be another day of suffering and hurt and hopelessness. Who will be the most thankful? Us or him? What a shame it would be if the Syrian refugee was more thankful than we are. Who will be the most thankful? Number two, the American wife and mother who worships freely this morning, who is loved by her husband and children, who can vote, go to school, hold a job, take care of her family? Or will it be a mother, a Christian mother from Syria, who has to secretly read her Bible, who is considered property, who can't write, who can't go to school, who can't hold a job, who has no resource to take care of her family? Who will be, who will be thankful? What a shame if it's the Syrian mother who is more thankful than we. Number three, who will be the most thankful? 
the American teenager who has a mom and dad, who has a house to live in, who has clothes to wear, who has food to eat, who has all sorts of toys that they can play with? Or will it be a teenager in Syria who is carrying everything they own on their back, who leaves their home, who has nothing to look forward to, no future? What a shame if it's that Syrian teenager and not one of us. Who will be thankful? Who will be thankful? It ought to be us. It ought to be us. We ought to, in a loud voice, fall on our knees, on our face, at the feet of Jesus Christ. And we ought to say, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for reminding us of everything that you've done for us. Uh, Lord, you're worthy of our praise just for who you are. But Father, you move beyond just who you are when you work in our life and when you open the windows of heaven and pour your blessings upon us, the greatest of which is salvation. We were sinners headed for hell with no hope. We had a disease of leprosy called sin, and there was nothing that we could do to gain a cure, to get fixed. But thank God, just like Jesus did to the lepers, you stepped in. You went to a cross. You took all our sin upon yourself. You paid the price for our sin. You offered us the gift of life. If you never did anything else for us in our whole Christian life, if the only thing that we had to be thankful for was our salvation, we could praise you for a million years and still not exhaust the praise that we owe you for our salvation. But, Father, you've done so much more. You've poured out an abundant blessing on us as individuals, on our families, on us as a nation. I pray that we would be thankful. I pray that not a person here has rejected that gift of salvation that you purchased on Calvary for them. I pray, Father, even if there's just one here this morning, they would realize that they're a sinner and that Jesus paid the price for their sin. And he offers to them the gift of salvation freely if they just come and take it. And so I pray that they would come this morning and receive that gift. I pray for the Christians that are here. I pray that you would help us to be thankful for who you are and for the blessings that you've bestowed upon us. Father, we do pray for our Christians, brothers and sisters, that have, because of war, have had to leave home and leave everything they have, go to a strange place. We pray, Father, that your presence would be with them this morning. In the refugee camps, on the road, wherever they are, help them know that there's still a God in heaven. He still knows what's going on, Father. He still cares for them. He still loves them. I know that they're thankful. Father, just bless them. Bless them. And I ask you to bless this time of invitation. I pray, Father, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would speak to our hearts. You'd help us to be obedient to what you tell us to do. I ask all this in Christ's name. Amen.